I need a shower because I stink. But I got other plans. I got to do this podcast first. I do it for you. We all hang it in there. It's almost over. Halfway through December. Uh, it means it's almost over. The holidays, the year, 2023, 2024. Who cares? It's all chaos. Uh, I was coughing a little bit earlier. I'll at least make sure to try not to do it in the microphone. But um, <clears throat> if I do, I'm not going to edit that out because once I'm done doing this, I am done. I've been recording music lately. I haven't done that in a long time. So when that's ready to put out, I'll dedicate an entire episode to telling horror stories from Senior Dinosaur, the band I was in. Uh, we were complete shitheads. So that would be like a six hour podcast for all the people out there complaining that these episodes are not long enough. All right, uh, here we go again. Make sure to give this a rating wherever you're listening, be it Apple, Spotify, MySpace, or Grinder. Five stars if you've got the holiday spirit in you, or one star if you're a Grinch like me. Uh, get your friends that are kind of shitty involved. That's how we grow. Anyways, welcome to episode number Who Gives a Shit of the Valley Boys. I am your host, Dave Weasel. Let's get this over with. So I saw this, uh, this new dumb show called Twin Flames which sounds like a rejected title for a barbecue reality show, but nope, this is about a cult that morphed from a sketchy dating service into a full-blown religion, all right? It's where people get exploited for free labor and sex and all that, you know? Twin flame. Seriously, what a cringe fest of a term, twin flame. It's like saying, hey, I'm a hot mess express in desperate need of a co-pilot. Only those who can't get a sane person to tolerate their brand of crazy for more than a hot minute would fall for this find your twin flame bullshit. These people are the poster children for psycho love. You know, the type that can't get anyone to stick around uh, because they're too busy calling everyone else a narcissist and labeling themselves something like, I don't know, empath. <laughs> we all got that one friend, you know? They're always on a merry-go-round of intense relationships. The cycle is they meet someone new, fall head over heels, and then, boom, they, they're, they're convinced that the stars, the moon, and some donkey astrology sign align just to gift wrap this soulmate. But it's not, it's not the universe, you know, and it's, it's not the universe conspiring against you when it doesn't work out. It's just no one wants to handle your basket case bonanza. See, compatibility isn't, isn't that fireworks show when you, when you first meet someone who's still hiding in their inner filth. It's, it's finding someone... Um, who's seen you at your worst and doesn't run for the hills. But now, nah, man, these twin flame people, they're, uh, they're the guys who are too busy cyber screaming about their exes, you know? First, it's always like a poor me sob story. They, they, they have that moment of clarity where they're like, oh, why doesn't anyone love me? And it's like, hey, focus on that. You know, you got something there. But then, then it always morphs into, well, you know what? Everyone else is the problem, not me. So ready to repeat the cycle again. See, it's a red flag. If you meet someone who can't stop talking about their villainous exes in their online rantings, here's a tip. Run. Okay? Because they're probably the maestro of their own train wreck symphony. Not saying they're undateable necessarily, but, but their compatibility circle is wider than the Sahara. They need, they need someone who can weather their psycho storms with, with a grin on their face, you know? Bless their hearts. If only they tried being alone for like five minutes... But no, they got the, they're the serial monogamous, always hunting for the next victim or partner. If you got, we all have that friend. We all do. But you know what? Do them a solid and, and break it to them gently. Be like, hey, buddy, the problem isn't the rest of the world. It's you. But here's the thing. That might not be your friend after that. 
So yeah, I can see how people get lured into this twin flames trap. You know, they can't find someone to stick around because their their crazy shows too fast. Um, they've got this fantasy partner in the head, and the minute their their real life boo deviates from that delusion, it's a complete meltdown. And then it's the classic, you know, all men or women are trash. But you know what? There's no divine matchmaker. Most of us are lucky if we're compatible with one in a hundred people. And you know what? That's that's about average, I would say. You know, it's 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 not so much that there's one specific person out there for you. Because look at how people find each other in small towns. It's You're compatible with probably 1% of people. Perfectly compatible, that is. But, you know, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. But the haystack is just a bunch of um, hay bales stacked in your uncle's barn. Sure, you might strike gold, or in this case, a tolerable human being who, who you can, whatever, share your Netflix account with. But don't kid yourself. This isn't a one and only fairy tale. You know, if that were true, your soulmate is probably someone chilling on the other side of the world, you know? Maybe twice your age. Or maybe even the same gender, which is a curveball if you're not gay. But yeah, proximity is just a fancy word, okay? It's, 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 it's a fancy word for convenience. That's what it is. Proximity is also convenience, okay? Um, take, my, take my small town in Cranberry Portage, Manitoba. All right. The dating scene was so sparse, I actually had two girls fighting over me. Okay. Well, okay, not really that. It's more of a desperate scramble at a last chance saloon. Okay. It wasn't a Hollywood style cat fight. Um, the girl I wanted to go to prom with, uh, she was this tall, stunning native girl from grade 11. She was my first pick. All right. I asked her and she said, yes, great. But then there was this other girl in my grade, a fellow townie. Someone who lived in the town because everybody else, most of the kids um, that went to that school are from different reservations uh, spread across Manitoba and they live there during the school year. So this other townie had her eyes on me, you know, but it was like we were we were the last two on the shelf at closing time. You know what I mean? So whatever. I'm the only guy in my grade from the town. My dad being the local cop. Um, there were the other two, the superintendent's daughter and the other girl was, who had become my prom date. All right. It was like being the only fresh produce in a town with one grocery store, not exactly a love triangle, more of a love straight line with a slight bend. So whatever the the grade 11 girl that I had my eyes on, um, got cornered by my grade mate who basically marked her territory. Like I was the last piece of white meat, which is what they all called me at a Thanksgiving sale. The grade 11 girl, maybe to avoid a, uh, a showdown of the not so okay corral tells, tells me to take the other girl. She takes the high road, you know? And I initially thought it was a polite brush off, thinking she's just not interested, maybe she changed her mind, whatever. I didn't realize that there was, that there was a backstage deal already done. So whatever, in a twist of teenage angst, I, I first thought, okay, if this is not rejecting, then I, I don't want to go with the other girl. I'm rejecting her first. But in the end, I ended up going with, uh, with Tarny Girl. Okay, it was the most underwhelming two girls fighting over a guy story you'll ever hear. But you know what? That's high school romance in a town where your dating options are as limited as as the sushi menu at a gas station diner. And then, God, how long ago was that? 21 years ago. I graduated high school 21 years ago. My God. And I never grew up. I mean, 10 years after that, um, in 2012, that was when... 
I was still a child, basically, a 27-year-old child. That was the year, 2012 was when my friends and I in Winnipeg, we, we call that year the anarchy year, all right? A bunch of mid to late 20-somethings. We're all kind of freshly single and embodying the phrase transitional phase, which we, we had the grace of a cat on a hot tin roof, you know? So when I say grace, I mean none. We were a walking disaster, a bunch of jackasses masquerading as adults, our nights were kind of a mix of alcohol, poor decisions, and, and a hobby that should be in the Olympics. Rooftop climbing, all right? Now, falling off roofs became our accidental hobby. I personally took two spectacular tumbles, one off a daycare roof and the other off of a random person's shed, okay? Because that's what we would do when we were drunk. It's like a sad adult version of parkour. My friend, one of my best friends, I, I'm, gonna name, I'm not going to name him for his own dignity, Okay, he managed a theatrical fall off a church roof uh, right onto a garbage can. And he really messed up his arms. It's a miracle we didn't break more than just our dignity. And the fireworks, man. We were playing with that shit. Now, in Manitoba, getting your hands on these things is, is a lot harder than it is in the States. But we always did. And respect for safety was as absent as our sobriety. So our, our the aforementioned friend who fell off the church... Kind of a daredevil. He got a firework stuck behind his safety glasses. Okay? So when we're shooting fireworks at each other, he decides to wear safety glasses, and he gets one stuck in there. And the result? You know, it's a, it's a scar that's less Harry Potter and more, what the fuck is wrong with you? But, man, there was this one night. Mm, I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I already started it. Um, it was in, like, a forest slash city park. Um... Let's just say our pyrotechnic aspirations went a bit too far. We kind of set a field on fire. Now, it wasn't like this massive bonfire type thing. It was like a, a perfect line of, 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 a, of like a six-inch fire, but it, but it spread out pretty far. Probably a visual representation of our decision-making skills. Um, so as soon as the fire started, my friend, uh, he, he just bolted because there was... <laughs> There was Blackberry footage of it. We were filming the fire. And then as soon as it starts, he goes, we got to go. <laughs> and then he just disappears. So there's me and my buddy Craig. I'll say him. Uh, you might I've talked about him before. He was in Senior Dinosaur. Uh, we spend hours playing firefighters. Okay. Now, our method was to stomp out every single ember. Our shoes and sweaters, completely ruined. And, uh, and when we called Mr. We Got to Go to come and pick us up, he shows up all frantic like a squirrel in a coffee shop, um, he ditched the rest of the fireworks in a dumpster because why not add irresponsible disposal to our list of achievements here? So there we were, kind of tearing through this residential area like it's the Indy 500. But, you know, there's stop signs at every block. And my friend's driving style was less smooth operator and more mm, human pinball. He's hitting the gas and slamming the brakes. Hitting the gas, slamming the brakes. He's treating stop signs like suggestions, you know? But he's trying to be stealthy. That's the, ir that's the irony of this whole thing. But he's about as subtle as a bullet in a china shop. It's the Streisand effect in full glory. The more he tries to avoid attention, the more he's got spotlights and potential sirens on him. Okay? We're insanely lucky that our anarchy phase didn't end in disaster considering the amount of nonsense we got up to. You know, I mean, there are stories I cannot share on here. Not because they're super villain-level evil, but let's just say they're not exactly on the right side of legal or smart. So whatever. After this escapade, we came up with the nickname for our friend um, who loves to make uh, make like Houdini at the first sign of trouble. We called him Toonie Tuesday 
Okay, it's a little homage to uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, you know, um, when they called him a chicken to go, because in Canada at the KFC they had two pieces of chicken for two dollars on Tuesdays. Okay, so that's what we called him, chicken to go or Toonie Tuesday. I hope I didn't accidentally blurt out his real name, because let's face it, I'm not going to go back and edit that out. All right, what else? Oh, you, I also ruined my phone that night, so my shoes. My sweater and my BlackBerry Curve got ruined. All right? Um, that was back. So, yeah, 2012, BlackBerry Curve. We're sitting there kind of on the cusp of the tech revolution. We're straddling between the, wow, this is neat, to, oh, boy, the future is going to be scary. You know, it wasn't like the 90s where everyone everyone was obsessed with the whole uh, the future is now thing in the 90s. You know, it's like having a cordless phone was the pinnacle of human human achievement. In the 90s, I'd constantly say, hey, it's the 90s in, in movies and TV shows. Constantly self-referencing itself like it was a badge of honor to have a cell phone the size of a brick if you could even afford one. But 2012, man, that was the, that was the, um, that was the era of, hey, man, check out my BlackBerry. We could poke around on Facebook more in the loss of MySpace. And our iPods were like tiny magical music libraries with a thousand CDs crammed in one. You know, we had we had a hunch that whatever was coming next in the tech world was going to blow our 90s minds. I mean, again, I've talked about that on the last episode. Try explaining today's tech to a kid in the 90s. It would sound like science fiction. But there we were in 2012. We knew what was coming was going to is something we can't fathom. We knew the future was just coming towards us and it was going to be intense and our our lives were going to be glued to our devices. You know, we had PlayStation 3s then. We're already drooling over what could be what could be next, you know. But in the 90s, we had the PlayStation 1, and we thought, well, that's it. Look at this. Look at the square guys on the screen. This is the peak of gaming. You know, those blocky graphics were our pride and joy. It was a huge leap from the days of Super Nintendo, which, again, same thing, early 90s. But back then, that was king of the jungle. <laughs> and then uh, uh, 2012, it seemed like, again, everybody had a BlackBerry, or they were diving into iPhones, Um because in Canada, I don't know what it was like in the States, but in Canada in 2012, iPhones were very rare still. They didn't really explode until around that time. It was the dawn of being able to password protect your phone. That's a big deal. If you're a younger listener, okay, you have no concept of that. But back in the day, back in my day, if you lost your phone, it was an open book. All of your texts, pictures, and whatever secrets you got are up for grabs on that tiny little screen. You know, those were the days when losing your phone was like losing a piece of your soul. Back then, I was with this girl who worked at Winners, customer support at Winners, and uh, it, it's like Ross or Marshalls of Canada. Um, she would tell me that people would turn in lost cell phones all the time, and almost every single one of them had those shitty pixelated news on it, nudes on it, you know, because of course somebody back there in customer service is going to look through your phone. You know, it was a golden era of hijacking each other's phones for a laugh, dude. My buddy Craig, the infamous puppy puncher, which I called him. <laughs> it was just a stupid joke. Um, he, he once grabbed my phone and texted uh, a girl I worked with, quote, I just took a big green dump. <laughs> Classy, right? But that's, that's how he got the name Puppy Puncher because I used to text girls in his phone, I just punched a puppy. <laughs> and that went on for a long time. And Facebook, you know, that was in its, it was in its prime back then. You know, post MySpace, pre Instagram, and and the Twitter madness. Um, everyone in the grandma was on Facebook. We'd mess with each other's accounts nonstop. And poor Eric, my friend Eric, he was the nicest guy you'd ever meet. 
He would leave his Facebook open, and we'd post some weird stuff like, I just took a big green dump. Something he'd never say. Man, the App Store. People used to go, or the Apple Store. People would go into the Apple Store and log into their Facebook on the display computers and just leave it there. Okay? You go to Facebook.com on an on a Apple computer in 2012, 50-50 chance that somebody's Facebook is still logged into it. And boy, oh boy, you'd mess with that account. You know? Um... That was a thing to do almost. It was like an activity. You'd be hanging out with your friends, just kind of bored, and someone would say, hey, want to hit the Apple store and post some weird uh, area nation stuff on somebody's Facebook? <laughs> you know? It wasn't Hitler stuff like that, but it would be, you know, I just took a big green dump. And, man, you'd, you'd, you'd set the post to public so you can go back and look at the chaos after, you know? And they'd always say the same thing. Oh, my God, my, my account was hacked. And be completely baffled. No clue that they'd left their Facebook wide open in a public place. A playground for hooligans like us. You know? 2012. Simpler time. Blackberry pearls. Ah. I'm getting all nostalgic. That's what we do on this podcast. We talk about the past a lot. And now a word from our sponsor, Green Chef. I'm no Gordon Ramsay in the kitchen, but let me tell you, Green Chef has turned my microwave meals into a thing of the past. Let's break down why Green Chef is the culinary hero we didn't know we needed, especially during the holidays. First off, let's talk variety. Green Chef is like the Netflix of meal kits. There's something for everyone. Whether you're into turkey, sockeye salmon, or maybe you're riding the plant-based wave, they've got you covered. And let me tell you about my personal favorite, the maple butternut squash risotto. It's better than how my grandma made it. I could say that because she doesn't even know what a podcast is. Now, the holidays are coming, and I know what you're thinking. How am I going to stay on track with all these festive temptations? Green Chef, my friends, they've got calorie-smart meals, protein-packed powerhouses, and even vegan options that taste better than my Aunt Edna's fruitcake. And that's saying something. Plus, they're giving away a free session with a registered dietitian. That's like having a food coach cheering you on as you navigate the minefield of holiday eating. Now, here's the thing. Sustainability. You're not just eating well. You're eating responsibly. Everything's certified organic. And the seafood, it's like they've got a personal friendship with every fish in the sea. And the packaging. You can recycle almost all of it, which is great for me because my recycle bin is usually just collecting dust and guilt. Now let's get real. We're all running around like headless turkeys during the holidays, but with Green Chef, it's like having a culinary fairy godmother. You've got everything delivered to your door, pre-measured, foolproof, and ready to turn into a feast in 30 minutes or less. It's so easy, even I can't mess it up. And my cooking skills usually involve setting off the smoke alarm. So... Whether you're trying to impress your in-laws or you want to treat yourself to some delicious, clean eats, Green Chef is your go-to. Trust me, give it a whirl and your taste buds will be doing the cha-cha. Happy cooking, everybody. Get the number one meal kit for eating well. Go to greenchef.com slash 60valleyboys and use code 60valleyboys to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash 60valleyboys. <laughs> Um, oh, I just saw that new Blackberry movie. I forgot how painfully Canadian that whole company was. And they got, uh, what's his name? Dennis from It's Always Sunny. Uh, Glenn Howerton as Jim Belise, the, the, the main guy from Blackberry. And it's funny because seeing Dennis rocking a ball cap was like seeing a dog walk on its hind legs. It's fascinating, but also very unsettling. Uh, I hope they actually work that into It's Always Sunny because that is a look for that guy. But this guy, Jim Belise, uh, 
he I do remember this. He was obsessed with trying to buy an NHL team. Again, that's how Canadian this company was. And the movie showed it. It was like watching a kid it was it was like watching a kid in a candy store, um, but the candy store is the NHL. And the kid is a billionaire who's been told no. Okay? He's pretty much got a do not sell sign from the NHL from him uh, on him today because you know, he's he's a loser. <laughs> they basically banned him for being a loser. Um, I remember he wanted to buy the Pittsburgh Penguins and and then have them do, uh, we got to get out of here and move them to Hamilton, Ontario. I mean, secretly relocating a hockey team. Let's like try and sneak an elephant into ballet class, you know? Man. And that was back before Winnipeg, uh, where I was living, um, had an NHL team. So they were actually selling t-shirts that said Winnipeg Penguins on it, you know? I will say this about Winnipeg. It it is kind of the land of poetic justice. Um especially when it comes to uh public transit, all right? Cuz that's the thing when you're on a bus or a train or anything like that where there's no assigned seating, that's the wild west. Um less tumbleweeds, but more awkward eye contact. But when you're on a when you're on a bus like that, it always gets full. And you'll see that you'll see that one spot with that one person sitting in the aisle and leaving the the uh, window seat open, like what a dick move! Um, it's like they're gar- guarding this coveted window seat, like it's the last slice of pizza at a party, or um, somebody with their bags on a seat. You know, uh, there was a guy I saw this happen. There was a woman sitting at the window seat and she had her bags on the aisle seat. So the guy, Winnipeg man, he's probably at least three hundred pounds. Um, he goes up to the lady. And he's like, he, he, he just politely asked her to move the bag so, so he could sit down. And she doesn't do it. So he just sits on him. Like without even, without missing a beat. He goes full Hulk mode and plonks himself right on the bags. And you could hear the bread crying out in agony from under his weight, you know. And um, the lady, she's just in shock. Uh, you know, her groceries are now resembling a, a modern art piece. Um, but he's got manners, this guy. He lifts his... Uh, Derriere, so she could salvage the remains of her now flattened groceries. It's like a scene out of a sitcom, but with more crushed produce. It was awesome. But why do people do that? Why do people hog all of the space in 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 crowded places? Um, are they just blissfully unaware, or is it um, a secret society of space hoarders? You know, it's like a great mystery. Why do we like why we park on 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 driveways and drive in parkways type thing? Uh, Winnipeg. I hope it never changes. It's a city that keeps giving. Giving lessons in public transit etiquette. One squash grocery bag at a time. What else here? Oh, I had a weird... I had a weird thought um, today about... Because... We're just going to shift gears here. Um, There's a lot of new 9-11 footage that's popping up all over the place, you know? Like, just just footage that's that, that, that somebody took that you know you might not have seen before it's like finding an old mixtape in your attic but it's more tragic um but i couldn't help but to think if 9-11 happened today we'd have infinite footage of it from the inside from the out you know but this is back in 2001 you know which if you had a camcorder back then you were basically steven spielberg those things were as pricey as a decent used car and about as bulky as one too so Back then, to catch that horrific moment, you had to be wandering around with your giant camcorder, oh, like like ready to go, 
and for that first for the first plane that went through, you have to already be filming it. Like, what are the odds of that? It's like a like a vegan at a barbecue contest. But in a city like New York, um, where even the rats have headshots, a surprising number of people caught it on tape. You know, so like if it happened today, in our era of smartphones, we'd have enough angles to make a 3D movie out of it. You know, I'm not I'm not spewing out some conspiracy bullshit nonsense. I'm not uh, I'm not trying to sell you aluminum hats or anything, but it's the truth. We'd have footage from the inside, outside. Probably a live tweet from a guy stuck in traffic complaining about it, you know? Um, but, yeah, it's just a weird thought I had. God. We went from, did you remember to bring the camcorder to, I've got five high-def cameras in my pocket, and I mostly use them to take pictures of my lunch. Man, what a time. Of, what a time to be alive. Yeesh. Want to talk about 9 Um, what else here? Just a sex cult on my page. <laughs> Whatever. I've said it. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. All religions are basically cults. Okay, and um, a popular religion that's just a cult that went mainstream. Okay, it's like a garage band that suddenly starts playing in stadiums. Okay, and they all got sex rules. Okay, they're obsessed with with uh, with sex. It seems like it's all about possession and jealousy, though. Like, some religions make women cover up their faces. That's not modesty. That's a possessive boyfriend on a cosmic level. Okay? And then pretty much all of them have that no sex before marriage rule. It's like, hey, you know that really fun thing that you like to do with your body? Well, you can't do that until you sign a contract with the government. You know? <laughs> I mean, but, like, let's, let's call it what it is. If, you're, if your religion, and let's be honest, your cult, has rules about sex, then you're in a sex cult. Okay? And not even touching on the churches that sweep their dirty laundry under the holy rug okay that's a whole different level of sex cult but hey i'm supposed to respect your beliefs right because that's what uh, a polite society tells you to do i just wish people wouldn't look down on me um because i don't subscribe to any belief system i mean i do i have my beliefs but they're not tied up in fear or the afterlife or or what happened before us they're more focused on you know like like being alive and not being a dick but you know what? The, the next time someone tries to push their religion on me, I think I'm just going to say that. You know, and, and by the way, when I say push the religion on me, I'm not talking about a friendly chat where I, I get to ask questions, you know, because I do have people that, that are religious in my life. And I do ask some questions about their beliefs without uh, either side being a jerk about it. But, you know, the, the, I'm talking about the door knocking pamphlet wielding types, you know, I'm just going to say to them, no, thanks. I'm not really into sex cults. Actually, I don't know if I'm not into sex cults. They should advertise it like that. You know, hey, join our sex cult. That'd get people interested. But then they'd be like, oh, wait a minute. This isn't a sex cult. It's just a cult with a lot of sex rules. I'm still calling it a sex cult, though. Because that's more interesting. Okay, let's go on to some headlines. I haven't done these in a while. Um, okay. Ohio attorney suspended over pooping in a Pringles can, leaving it in parking lot. Now, I've seen some weird things in parking lots, breakups, makeups, even a guy trying to teach his cat how to drive. But this, this is so this is next level. OK, what what even goes through your mind to make you think, you know what? This Pringles can isn't just for chips. It's also my portable toilet. <laughs> it's like a bad magic trip. <laughs> Let's talk logistics here. How do you even do that? We all know the shape of a Pringles can. It's not, it's not exactly designed for, you know, taking a shit in. 
This attorney must have had the determination of an Olympian at, and the balance of a yoga master, you know? In the aftermath, leaving it in the parking lot like some, twist, like some twisted treasure for, uh, for an unsuspecting janitor. That's not, that's not even littering. It's leaving a crime scene. <laughs> I can just picture the guy who, who, who found it, you know? They're thinking, hey, I hit the snack jackpot. <laughs> but it's, it's a can of lies and despair. Yeah, and you know that moment of realization must have been the worst plot twist um, in in like an M Night Shyamalan movie. But here's the thing: uh, the 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 attorney got suspended, not for his legal practices, but for turning a Pringles can into a makeshift porta potty. I guess you could say his career has been canned. Sorry, it's a story that makes you wonder, though. You know what flavor were the Pringles? You know, um. Whatever. Think about that the next time you're eating Pringles and thinking about life's big questions. <laughs> All right, next one. Texas woman blinds sugar daddy with detergent after he refuses to give her $2,000. Now, most people might throw a fit in that situation. Maybe send a strongly worded text or, or block him on Instagram. But not this lady. She goes full desperado and blinds a guy with detergent. You know? That's a weird way of saying you're airing your dirty laundry. But picture this. Let's say you're this sugar daddy, you know, probably wearing cowboy boots and, and a big hat. You're thinking you're the king of Dallas. You're set for a, for a quiet evening. And then all of a sudden, it's like a Tide ad gone horribly wrong. But instead of getting his clothes clean, he's got an eye full of detergent. It's one way to leave a guy in suds and tears. But I can't help but, I can't help but to wonder, what kind of detergent was it? Was it liquid? Was it powder? Did she have to choose between mountain spring and ocean breeze scents before unleashing her soapy wrath? This is like a bizarre game show where the prize is an emergency trip to the eye doctor. Well, let's go back to the money. Two grand. That's a lot of detergent. I mean, what was she planning to buy? A lifetime supply of fabric softener? Maybe she's just trying to clean up her act. Maybe she wanted to liquidate her assets. Either way, that's an expensive laundry day. The cops must have had a field day with that, you know? All right. What was the weapon you use? Tied. The weapon was tied. You know, it's like the criminal version of the price is right. How does somebody even become a sugar baby or a dad? That's some Gen Z shit, you know? Whatever. Okay, last one here. Um, I think it's, yeah, last one. Man charged after allegedly trying to kill someone for eating all the tacos. So, there's this guy. He's just been charged with attempt to murder. Now, you might be thinking, what could drive a man to such links? You know? Is it a love triangle? A crime syndicate betrayal? But no, man. It's something serious. Someone ate all the tacos. You know? In the grand, in the grand scheme of, of, of culinary crimes, this is right up there with putting pineapple on pizza for some people. You know? But picture it. You come home. Dreamed of those tacos waiting for you in the fridge. You've been thinking about them all day. The tender meat, the zesty salsa. But then, tragedy strikes. You open the fridge and they're gone. Not a single taco in sight. It's like a Shakespearean tragedy with guacamole. Or without it. Now, most people might sulk, maybe angrily eat a bowl of cereal. Maybe tweet about their betrayal. But not this guy. He goes from zero to, I'm going to end you. Faster than you could say Taco Tuesday. It's like if Liam Neeson's taken was about fast food. It's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, but I will find you and I will cook you. I mean, we've all been there. You're craving something delicious and someone swoops in and gobbles it up. 
But this guy took Hangry to a new level. It's like the Hunger Games. But instead of survival, it's just one bite of carne asada. And when the police showed up, I bet they were expecting some high-stakes crime scene. Instead, it's a guy fuming over his missing tacos. You can almost hear the officers now, you know? Hey, step away from the taco stand. Put down the hot sauce and let's talk this out. So whatever. Here's the thing. Never eat a man's tacos without permission. It's just food theft. You're playing a dangerous game of culinary Russian roulette. But whatever, man. In a world full of crimes, eating all the tacos just might be the one that breaks a man. <laughs> all right. What's our time like here? Holy shit. We've been rambling on here. Let's cut it off. Um, you know the drill. Please give this a rating wherever you're listening. Um, follow us online. We are at Valley Boys Pod on Twitter, at Valley Boys Podcast on Instagram and TikTok for some reason. Um, I am Dave at Dave Weasel across the board. I did not buy my blue check mark. I've had it. You can even click it on Twitter. I don't know where it came back from, but you can click it and it says verified since September 2016. So I'm not paying for that shit. Anyways, um, follow us online. Get, uh, give it a rating. Uh, this might be the last. No, there's going to be one more before before Christmas, I guess. Um, all right, pigs. See you then. And now a word from our sponsor, Pretty Litter. All right. Let's talk about the unsung hero of cat ownership, kitty litter. Specifically, Pretty Litter. Now, I'm no Dr. Doolittle, but when it comes to my cats doing the happy dance, that is a good day. The problem is... Cats are more mysterious than a magician's hat. You never know what's going on in their fuzzy little brains. That's where Pretty Litter swings in like a superhero. First off, this stuff is like the Navy Seals of Litter. It traps odor faster than you could say, stinky cat bathroom. I mean, we've all been there, right? Your cat does its business and suddenly your place smells like a porta potty at a punk rock music festival. But with Pretty Litter, it's more like your cat just little fancy little cat candle in there. Now let's talk differences. If traditional litter is a clunky old car, Pretty Litter is a sleek, shiny sports car. This stuff has ultra-absorbent crystals. We're talking less mess, less dust. It's the litter equivalent of a spotless kitchen after a five-course meal. And these magic crystals last up to a month. That means less scooping, less trudging through the trash, and doing more time doing whatever you want with your life. But here's the magic. Pretty Litter changes colors. Now, I'm not talking mood ring changes here. I'm talking health detective. It's like having a mini cat doctor in your litter box, giving you the heads up on potential health issues like urinary tract infections or kidney shenanigans. It's peace of mind in a bag of litter. Because let's be honest, our cats are, they're like little fluffy enigmas and we need all the help we can get. And to top it off, a pretty litter gets delivered right to my door. No more hauling giant containers of litter around that announce to the world, yes, I own a cat, and yes, it drops dumps. This stuff is light, easy, and space-saving. It's like having litter on tap without the bulky keg. So there you have it. Pretty litter making life easier, homes fresher, and giving us cat owners a little insight into the mysterious world of our feline friends. Pretty litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as I do. Go to prettylitter.com slash valleyboys and use code valleyboys to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash valleyboys. Use code valleyboys to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash valleyboys. Code valleyboys. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.